Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 155. 155 of these, that's a lot. And if you want to listen to this one as well as previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we always appreciate a nice five-star rating and a review if you can. So, as we did last week... It's silly season, and things are maybe not as silly regarding certain things and a little more concrete. So uh, before we get into that, let me bring in here Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. Welcome to another to another week of crazy transfer speculation, everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And, and some Chuck, not so crazy. That's right. And with Chuck still in Costa Rica doing whatever the heck he is doing there, uh, we wish him well. Uh, we've got Sergio Romero back. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. It's always uh, happy to be back after an, an unforced weekend off thanks to some traveling mishaps, but finally at home, finally finally able to to be here with you guys to talk to talk some football, to talk some rumors. Well, not really football, mostly rumors, but still happy, happy to be here. Yes, and since we did most of the talking last week, Sergio, uh, did anything catch your eye this week in terms of Juventus stuff? Uh, yeah, no, just, um, well, we, we sort of kind of talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but those, uh, Max Allegri money <laughs> rumors are crazy. Like it's, it's crazy that to me that, uh, they would offer a manager, any manager, 30 million euros a year. And it's even crazier to me that apparently he's still saying no. I mean, that's, that's just <laughs> insanity to me. That's that the offer was made and that he's still saying no it's it's nuts by every single party involved in those in those rumors maybe he doesn't want the child support to increase <laughs> since uh since i was greeted with allegri news basically right as i woke up this morning and we're, we're recording here on saturday uh sam in that in that span so that was probably oh eight hours ago uh yeah. how many times have you texted or uh mentioned in group chats to some of your Juventus fan friends, what the hell do we have to do to get rid of this guy? Many. <laughs> At least half a dozen. Like Sergio said, it's it's amazing to to think that anyone would turn down that kind of money. I mean, if you're gonna stand on the principle of not of resisting the sports washing, I guess that's admirable. But you know, this is now our our way to get out from under him. <laughs> and I really am like I said last week, I'm just saying a novena every day that it'll that it'll come to pass. But I don't really, yeah. It's just such a it's such a crazy thing, and I just I keep on wishing it to come to pass. Keep on wishing that somebody at Exor would just look at him and be like, Max, just <laughs> just just do it. Just. Yeah, and I mean it's it's definitely the the kind of thing where you see a lot of unreliable sources saying Allegri's thinking about oh. it. And it's just like you're just waiting for you know the Marzio or, or right Romano wrong. to be like, come on, <laughs> you next. That hasn't come yet. Hey, how could he not think about it? Like that? it's thirty million euros a season. Yeah, like I don't know, but who's the highest paid manager in the world? Like someone yeah. who makes like you know, happy, yeah, how much he makes? Like nine, ten? Like I don't know. Like you're talking about three times that. To yeah, I get it. To go and manage in Saudi, which I'm guessing is a decent step down but still like that is 
it's almost admirable. I don't know if, if Sam said it, like he's doing it because of some morally dubious thing about the sports washing in Saudi or just because he like legitimately believes he can turn this thing around. Like, I, I don't like it's insane to me that yeah. someone would turn down that type of money, especially for a manager who like for a player, you can say, well, I have a limited amount of years in my career and I don't want to spend them like playing in a non-competitive league. But for a manager who could very easily go and coach like two, three years in Saudi and then maybe get another like, quote unquote, big time job in Europe. It's 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 insane to me. Like, it's crazy. It's it's almost admirable. I I, I think that he's just saying no to this. And I don't I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. For the record, Pep gets 22.44 million euros per year. <laughs> 22, Jesus Christ, okay. Uh, the next on the list in the Premier League, which is, of course, where all of these are going to come from, is uh, Jurgen Klopp. He gets 17.88. Who's the highest paid non-English Premier League manager? It might be Allegri. I was thinking it'd be Allegri or uh, Uncle Carlo there in Madrid. Or Uncle Car- or him, they probably haven't given Javi that much money at Barcelona nope. yet. They'd have to pull another financial lever. But uh, <laughs> yeah. and then I, I, although this this thing that I this thing that I just looked at for for Pep salary, it's making me laugh because the person who was uh, uh, who was after Klopp uh, already lost his job. It was Grandpa. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You know what? Shout out, shout out, Pep. He's managed to get like Saudi wages uh, without having to actually coach in the Saudi Arabian League. So. Get, yeah, it's because he gets it from from the Qataris. Instead. Yeah, hey, listen, you know, autocratic governments, man. Like that's where the money is. Like if you're smart, that's where the money is. Good for him. <laughs> All right. Well, as Max Allegri maybe or may not contemplates a, a move to Saudi Arabia for thirty million euros a season, which is just ridiculous to say out loud for a manager a little more concrete is that Juventus is going to be signing another American, which certainly has to be to the delight of our Mexican here on the podcast. Maybe Sergio has been the one who's watched more Tim Weah than say the, the two Italians on the broadcast. So uh, Sergio, your thoughts on a, another U S men's national team player in Tim Weah looking all but likely to sign with Juventus within uh, a handful of days. Yeah, and I just want to say the fact that now there's going to be two Americans at Juve before there's any Mexicans at Juve is just upsetting, <laughs> and someone needs to fix that uh, because it's and it, it just quick tangent aside. Like I've said before, I hate with deep, deep passion the United States men's national team, and it bothers me that they're so good and they're so young and they're like have so much potential and now they're playing for my favorite team and it's just it's just coming from everywhere man like it just it's not a good time to to be mexican and like football other than that i think it's a smart signing i think it's a good signing i think you know dependent on you know what formation they play next year which we still don't really know because there's still rumors about the coach or whatever but assuming that they stick with something like a three five two-ish thing like they've been doing, he's a good sign for that. Especially we saw Philip Kostic get so burnt out late and, you know, last season in which he was, you know, because they played him so much, like they, they, they wrote him so much because they, they really didn't have a replacement for him. A guy like where I think can, you know, be a big part of having a little bit more rotational 
uh, players in that in that position. And he's good. He's young. He's talented. Uh, they're getting him at a fairly reasonable price, considering the fact that he has one year left in his contract. This feels like a savvy, you know, move that, you know, the regardless of the player and the fit and everything else, I'm kind of glad that Juventus is looking more at those type of deals, you know, for more for young guys on 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 contracts that are about to expire and that they can get with more affordable fees rather than you know be looking at and we've said it a bunch and no ill will against a guy like Bobby Firmino but I'm glad that they're not going after those those players anymore probably not entirely due to to you know to their own choice I understand that they don't have a lot of money so a lot of guys, of those guys are going to be off the table but it is relatively a smart signing he has some injury issues but he wouldn't be a Juve player if he didn't have any injury things that's just <laughs> the type of guys that that we love to get but yeah he checks a lot of boxes he's young he's talented he has a lot of room to grow still and he is a multi-positional guy who can play all over that left uh, that left flank so yeah i'm pretty pretty happy with with the signing if it comes to pass despite his nationality which he you know bears no so no blame for that left and right flank yeah i mean yeah, that's the having those guys is good other than mattia de siglio having guys that can play everywhere <laughs> It's good. It gives you a lot of positional flexibility. And I think the fact that they're signing uh, guys like that tells me, you know, that they, they value guys that can play anywhere and that they maybe still don't 100% know how they're going to play next season. So they're bringing in a guy who can play pretty much anywhere in every formation that you can think of. Yeah, the, the, the that can be a double-edged sword, though, especially when you have a manager like Max Ledgrave. That plays right into his into his poorer traits of just throwing guys into positions because he thinks they might do well there and not giving them the, you know, the time and space in any one spot to really make themselves an elite player there. Or in the case of a guy like Federico Chiesa, where it's clear what he's best at, but he wants him to be something else. Preventing him from being world-class. Yeah. Preventing him from being world-class actively. So as a, you know, at least one chat that I was in, you know, way I cut, uh, there was, uh, you know, when the way stuff first came out, he said, uh, and, and Max moves him to center back, you know, it's that, that is the first text I got from Hunter Sharpless, our, our, yeah. our boy on the blog, <laughs> by the way. So, yeah. uh, we're not, we're not in the same group chat, Sam and I, but we did get that same text. So maybe yeah. Hunter is just spreading it like wildfire. Oh yeah. It is a, I mean, he, he is a good player. Uh, he had a he had a really nice World Cup for the USMNT. I agree with Sergio. I think that it's it's a it's a good under the radar type move, kind of like what Weston McKinney was when he was first signed on loan from Schalke. And there is the potential there for him to be, perhaps not an elite player, but you know, a a good player that can play a role or maybe multiple roles on this team. And and that's the thing about, you know, to be successful, you do need the role players. You know, only uh, only a few teams can can truly have just an utter superstar at every position. That that's the realm of the upper echelon the, the upper financial echelons of the league and also FIFA saves. So you need role players. This guy turns into a role player or maybe an upper level role player who can play a couple different positions. And, and that's a really good thing for Juventus to have. 
you know, but like I said, I I think his development is deeply dependent on whether or not he is put in the right position to be successful, or if he's just if Max Allegri doesn't take the Saudi money, if he just is is regarded as a plug and play guy that's in a different spot every week and never gets the chance to settle, kind of like what ended up happening to Federico Bernardeschi uh in the last in the in in max's last years where all of a sudden he started being played as a as a mezzala and and just never it just wasn't played properly that is in my opinion the the one thing that that it just i i take pause in and it's not in the player himself because i think the player is pretty good it's just how is he going to be handled yeah i mean i've i've written over the last few days about it saying in a way, I kind of see this as him filling the Juan Cuadrado role where if it's a 3-5-2, he can play on the right wing as a wing back. And since he was with Lille last year, he played more fullback than he has before. So he can essentially, like Cuadrado did, although at a vastly different age, essentially kind of learn on the job. And we'll see what, what happens there. I mean... You know, I'm I'm pleading ignorance when it comes to how he played as a fullback, but I've seen him play as an attacker, and I feel a whole lot more confident saying that he's a capable attacker compared to what he is defensively. And we've seen, although maybe not under Max, but we've seen the wingback position, you know, evolve over these years where, you know, it's not necessarily... Uh, somebody like Stefan Licksteiner, who you think is more defensive than offensive. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think, like you guys said, it very much depends on the formation. But, you know, somebody like Tim Weah, I feel a little more confident about his ability to play as a wing back as compared to the aforementioned Federico Chiesa, who is probably not a Juventus player if Max Allegri wants to continue playing with wing backs. So, uh, hopefully, this is a case of Allegri wants wingers to play with a formation that's not a three-five-two. But if he does play three-five-two, then you know Way is obviously kind of filling that quadrado hole as we expect him to uh, to leave in a, in a matter of days as his contract expires. Yeah, that that is what I think the that this ends up being is the 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 replacement, the direct replacement to Juan Quadrado more than anything else which you know again is is sad and you know that he he's been a really good soldier for this club for a lot of years but i think at the end of the day obviously father time has finally caught up with him he's not the player he was even you know the beginning of of last season of last season so i yeah i i think that that is really the the thought process behind bringing him in I just want to shout out real quick a couple of Twitter uh, folks uh, at Christian Pesci, and here's one of the better uh, Twitter handles that we've we've gotten over the the last few months at Red Shoes Baby, who asked for our thoughts on Tim Weah coming close to signing with Juventus. So thank you for those Twitter questions, wanting to uh, get our thoughts on the Tim Weah soon to be signing. So now that we've talked, do you think Weah, that there's? Do you think that that's a Gentoli move? Like, do you think that Gentoli's got like a burner cell phone somewhere in you know, his drawer? This that... is some. This is something that I've thought about, especially these last few days that we've heard more about him 
being freed by Napoli. Finally, the shackles of Aurelio de Laurentiis are no longer around his feet, and he can actually move from southern Italy to northern Italy. I've wondered how much contact he may or may not have been having with Giovanni Mana over these last week or two. Uh, because you think about it, Mana is essentially the guy who's filling in for Juntili until he gets here, uh, yeah. whether it's a couple of days or next summer, who the hell knows at this point. So, like you said, are they on a burner phone basically going, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. Can you actually go out and do it since you're yeah. actually employed by Juventus and I'm still waiting? I've also thought, is this another way for the FIGC to be like, ah, look at Juventus doing shady transfer stuff? Uh, because, you know, <laughs> the last last five months have basically made my thoughts go there anytime Juventus does something on the transfer market. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely a good conspiracy to basically see like, you know, Cristiano Juntili kind of turning his back when he's in the office at Napoli, you know, making sure that they don't see who he's texting. I don't know. Yeah, right. It's 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 crazy, and and I I sure hope that that's what's happening. I really do. That I, I do. Control <laughs> is actually coming. I do hope he's like shadow making these movements, like as a shadow uh, president or director or whatever. Because it's I know that the transfer season just started, but it's it's again. I don't want to have a scenario in which Intoli comes to Juventus like in a month or a month and a half. And, you know, there's been all these moves that then a year later we say, well, they're, they were not his moves necessarily. Like we still have to wait and see and, and the guys that he brings. And it's just I do hope that at the very least all of this and so far it's just uh, where and Milic. Well, Milic is the only official one. Uh, but, you know, if, if you if you take uh, at their word, every single rumor monger in Twitter is. Saying, saying that the way I think is pretty much done deal. It's only two signings, uh, both of them relatively low, you know, low transfer fees. It, it, it's two good deals that pretty much, you know, can fit into any system and just two very versatile players. But I do hope that whatever the plan is, they can start developing that plan as soon as possible because the list the, the the list thing that this team needs is to go into another season and once again be like oh we don't have the players we don't have a good squad we didn't make the right signings because our our new you know because a new person in charge of, of doing the transfers came here until august and then that's the one thing that they just cannot have again happen to them so i i truly truly hope he's the shadow director at this point yeah, we, we don't need Cristiano Juntili showing up on like August 15th when the, the transfer transfer deadline is approaching, going like, hey guys, what's going on? What's uh, up? What's up? Why'd you sign this dude? All the moves you made, I don't like. Cool. Awesome. Why'd you sign that dude? Like, yeah. Like you sold Chiesa? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of uh, potential players who might be sticking around a little longer, we've heard of rumors that. Our old favorite, Adrian Rabio might not have that long-term contract worth a whole lot of money that Veronique was hoping for. So uh, Juventus reportedly have essentially the, the best offer on the table, according to Fabrizio Romano, that is basically the same contract that Rabio has been playing on the last four years. And, you know, we, we <laughs> how many months have we been joking? Just sign him to one-year deals on one-year deals. 
and here we are in the end of June and Juventus Juventus has the quote unquote best offer on the table and it's a one year contract for the same 7 million euro net salary that Rabio has been making these last four years. God, I Juventus should listen That's to a, this podcast more often. Or that, maybe not. That, that isn't a that is astonishing to me though. It's crazy. The way he played this year, like is it just that no one wants to talk to Veronique? <laughs> is it just that he, like she annoys the shit out of so, of people so much that no one wants to have anything to do with her? Or like what on earth? I would expect like you know, like like the Newcastles of the world to be interested in this in this sort of thing. The way he played this past year, I mean, is unless like the the soccer world at large just really wants to see him do it again <laughs> before they they trust it. But for his for, for there to be a non-existent market for him after the season that he had this year, it really is shocking to me. And that if this is the way that it goes, I mean, I'd be glad to have him on the team for another year, sure. But man, it's just it it it's really it's really mystifying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. I I you know, when those reports came out, I I was like a hundred percent sure, and they still might be, you know, uh, fake, but it's insane to me that no one has a better offer than that. Like not even like a Newcastle United who just, you know, paid uh, all the money in the world for Sandro Tonali. Like they can throw like a two-year deal Raviot's way. I mean, wouldn't that be a better offer? Uh, it, it's insane that those deals are not there for him, especially because we all assumed that they were going to be there, especially from the Premier League. He had a great season. Like I, it's if those you know, reports are true and the best offer on the table is a one-year deal by Juve with the same wages. I mean, as a Juve fan, I'd be thrilled. If I'm Rabio, I'm definitely considering a change in representation because how the hell is that <laughs> very possible? That that I talk can, yeah. that talk would be awkward, wouldn't it? Oh gosh. Yeah. Listen, Mom, I I just don't think you're cutting it because he's like 28 years old, coming off the best season in his career. He was super durable. He scored 11 goals, and you can't get anything better than a one-year deal. It's it's insanity. I he doesn't strike me as a as a bad locker room guy or a bad locker room presence. Yeah, I mean, it has to be something like we we just don't know that that you know if those reports are true that the best offer is that th there has to be something else because he he did more than enough on the field to you know to warrant a, a bit of a you know larger commitment but if i'm juve and that is a deal that i can make i make that deal nine times out of ten like he's he was still your best midfielder last season uh if you can get you know let's say that that was an outlier and it was the best season of his career but if he can get you 80 percent of that next season that's still a pretty damn good player to have around. So especially considering injuries, especially considering, you know, that uh, that position, you know, it's it's uh, Paul Pogba is probably going to get hurt. Uh, you have a lot of young guys there. You know, it, it probably behooves you to have someone a little bit more better in mind, durable, like I can just be everyday player. So I, I'd love to have him back for another year. But it's crazy to me that, that that's the best offer that he has on the table. Between yeah. that and the Max Allegri offer, I don't know what's the weirdest thing that we've seen that we've heard in the transfer market this 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 week. Yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for one of the big transfer reporters to be like, you know, this is what Adrian Rabio's momjent was actually asking for from Premier League clubs, and basically they laughed in her face, and he essentially had no better better option than you than coming back to Juventus on a one year deal. 
And that's crazy because you negotiate. That that's why that's why yeah. you're an agent, mom. Like uh just do like yeah, come come to the Premier League clubs asking for the for the world and then you negotiate and get something more reasonable. But I mean like just it it has to be like crazy to to have a negotiation with her or something that you know that's the best thing he can get. I mean, that sucks for Rabio, like the player. Um but I'm thrilled for, for me as a Juve fan and as a guy who actually really likes Rabio game. It'd be awesome to have him back, especially for a guy that everyone just was a hundred percent sure that that he was a goner. So if they somehow managed to bring him back, that'd be that'd be great. He was almost a goner last summer. Yeah, and it was Veronique that was the reason he wasn't exactly. So, like like you said, Sergio, I think that maybe we ne- he needs to start looking into into some different representation because that's just that's just rough i mean even like saudi money like why not like at this point like why wouldn't the saudi arabia be like hey here's you know three years and 30 mil and or something like that like i'm sure that offer i'm sure they do it like they're doing it for a bunch of players like i'm sure they'd be willing to to give that a try but you know if, if not even that is on the table for him just just crazy can we do a quick Saudi tangent real quick here? Nothing to do with Adrian yep. Rabio. Sure, go ahead. So we were sitting on this podcast last summer talking about Koulibaly potentially signing with Juventus if Matthias right. Delic left. And not only did he sign with Chelsea for a lot of money, the club he leaves wins the Scudetto without him. And basically right. his rep- his direct replacement is one of the best players in the league. And now is going to be spun off for basically four times what Napoli bought him for. And now this summer he moves to Saudi Arabia and is basically one of Chelsea's cast-offs that Todd Bowley essentially launders money through Saudi Arabia for. I mean, it's just to see that 12 month period for that guy is nuts. And it kind of sums up what Saudi is these days, just trying to, trying to essentially buy whoever they can. Yeah. And I mean, also just in terms of Koulibaly as a, as a player, I mean, he did not have a good year at Chelsea. No. And considering how terrible Chelsea was defensively, that's really saying something. <laughs> right. But yeah, I I, I agree. And I, I mean, at the same time, there are some interesting, you know, there are some things that I look at the Saudi stuff and I, I'm kind of like grudgingly okay with it. Like, for instance, the, the rumors of Thomas Partey coming from Arsenal. So I, I'm thinking your line of your line of thinking is you're okay with the Saudis doing stuff to prevent Juventus from doing something stupid. Exactly. Okay. There we <laughs> In go. that particular case, because because <laughs> signing Thomas Partey would not have been a good idea, but it looks like he's going in line to to take the Saudi money as opposed to coming to Juve, and I'm okay with that in this particular in that particular instance because that just would have been a bad bad move. So it can be useful even if it's odious, but yeah, I, I, I just, you wonder how long this is gonna, how long this is gonna last. You know, we've talked about, you know, the Russian league trying to do what the, you know, do something like this years ago, the, you know, the, the Chinese trying to do it. Obviously the Saudis don't have the, the the government run economy that clamped down on that kind of investment the way that to 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 be in the in the way of this but it, it i think it's going to come down to or if, if the players 
have a you know positive experience you're living in saudi arabia it's not exactly a bastion of of wonderfulness in terms of where to live i'm sure they'll pamper these players like crazy but you know if if you know if a couple of players wives start getting crap from from conservative religious people there you might start seeing people move away from from making those moves for their family's sakes it so it 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 i i think that more than anything is going to be what might be you, you know make this into the latest greatest money soccer money fad but you know it it, it remains to be seen but here's and and we'll have to watch watch the space and and then see but they're not going to turn it into a their intention is not to be a retirement league their intention is to start getting like you know the mbappes and we'll see if that's if they can be successful in that yeah and and to me the, the craziest thing about the the saudi thing and in you know taking advantage of, of the of the tangent that we're in is that you know bringing in a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo that is makes complete sense to me right like it's super famous guy in the in the latter years of his career he's going to sell a lot of shirts he's going to sell a lot of uh, a lot of stadiums like makes sense to me right like Karim Benzema sort of same thing like in the latter stages of his career he's a Ballon d'Or like he's a, a big time guy but they're signing a lot of like Khalidou Koulibaly he's he's like I you know all due respect to that guy but you know I don't think football fans are going to be you know selling out stadiums to watch Khalidou Koulibaly play like you know they're they're making those type of signings that are just for good players that they can get because they're out of favor with their current club or whatever like just they're just kind of building you know for lack of a better word kind of like a middle class of of, of players as well we're gonna be very very handsomely paid but they're also are gonna raise the level of talent in that league which you know if you look at what the chinese made for example what the the chinese league tried a few years ago it was kind of like all quote-unquote superstar type level of players uh, never they, they never got a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, but they, they were trying to sign like more flashier players, but it was like just one guy. Like they'd never built that that league in, in a sense that you know you could say, oh, there it's a very talented league. There's a lot of good players playing in that league. Uh, and, and I think what the Saudis are trying to do now is is kind of just bring in quality football players that they can get, not really looking for you know superstar flashy level players with every signing we're just getting quality guys in that league and i don't know if it's going to work out for them because again like paying so much for a guy like Koulibaly, who's a you know relatively old defender uh who's not really going to bring a ton of eyeballs to your to your league you know i don't know how sustainable it is to pay that guy whatever amount they're paying him like 30 mil i don't even know how much they're paying him but a lot of money i don't know how sustainable that is understanding that the Saudis have like more money than God and they can just, you know, sink millions and millions of euros into this thing. Uh, but it just, it, it feels like a relatively, like a mildly different approach in that they're actually trying to just bring in quality players and make their league better. Do I think it's going to suddenly uh, take over, you know, everyone and take over Europe and now everyone's going to go over to play there? I don't think so. Uh, but it's definitely, it feels a little bit more sustainable or well thought out i guess that the other attempts like the chinese super league tried you know that it feels a little bit more 
are real. Then again, we just don't know. This could all this could all come crashing down in a couple of years, and you know, it 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 might happen. But it is definitely a thing that these Saudi clubs are taking players that could very easily still play in Europe, that could be you know sought after targets for you know high tier top level clubs in Europe. Like that was something that we hadn't seen before. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting for sure. I mean, it's it's going to be a a story to to monitor for sure, especially with some of these signings that we're seeing. Like they signed this super young guy. I think it was like an Italian kid who, you know, he was a prospect. Like he was a guy with a big, big career and big future in front of him. And they signed him to go to Saudi. And he said, yes, like it's, it's those type of signings that kind of, it's not like what we've seen before. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see if it pays off for them. Can we get things back on Juventus track? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, who's excited about Arik Milik sticking around? Um, I, I'm okay with it. Like, <laughs> like I said last week, no, like I said last week, I, I, I think he's a good, he's a good solid player who doesn't complain and does and goes out and does his job. It'll be a little bit more, more unfortunate if he ends up being the guy that we try to make like the main striker. But if he's a secondary piece in the attack, I'm okay with it. Like I said last week, I, I, I liked the work he did this year. It's unfortunate that the injury happened when it did because it really killed his momentum. But I am very much okay with having him back. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm I'm in the same camp. I think you know I think I wrote about it on on Twitter. Uh, but you know he is a, a good player, a decent, dependable backup. He seems like a great locker room guy. He had very good stretches last season. It's on a very affordable deal, like seven million euros. Like that's a very very good deal to bring him back. But that is exclusively if he's a squad rotation player. Like if he's suddenly starting 35 or having 35 plus appearances, uh, I don't think that's that's a great sign for Juventus overall. Because 35 plus appearances isn't that big of a deal as long as the majority of them are from the subs. Yeah, from the subs, a couple starts here and there. But, but you know, it's this, it's a guy that you probably just want more as a rotational piece, as a you know guy who's been there, done that sort of steady veteran presence like that, that i wouldn't even mind terribly if he if he started a lot of games in like if you're still using a 352 if he's in like the front two along with a better player i'd be okay with that just it, it's the idea of of him having to be the the focal point of the attack given what might happen on the market this year that's a little worrying yeah that's true that's true in my mind he's um He's the Polish Alvaro Morata. Like, he's a good guy. Yeah. Like he's a good player. You know, never going to be a superstar. But if he has a good season, he's a 15-goal player who's very dependable and, and seems like a great locker room presence. That's, you know, if you get that for 7 million euros, that's a decent deal. I'm not terribly excited about it, uh, but it's it's a it's a smart deal. It's a good deal. Who saw the links of Alvaro Morata coming back to Italy had their you know, heart and sink knowing that it could be Juventus. And then it's like, okay, it's Milan. We're all, we're all good. I, I wouldn't, I was, I would be okay with Morata coming back. <laughs> I, I've always loved him. I'm always down to have a player who loves Juventus as much as he does on the roster. It would be kind of funny for a third go around with him where it's like, he yeah. just continues the trend of going away for a couple of years and then coming back and then comes back. I mean, and I don't, and I, and whenever I see a, a, a report 
connecting him with another Italian team, I kind of dismiss it out of hand because I don't necessarily think he would want to do that because he has such a, a an affection for this team. Yeah, unless Atletico has given him the boot. I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think Alvaro is going to be linked with Juventus for every single transfer window until he retires. And then they're going to be like, oh, maybe they'll bring him back as like a coach or something. Like yep. he's just always yep. going to be linked back to Juve. And, and like Sam said, I, I I like the guy. I like the guy. I have, a, I have a jersey with his number on it. Like, I, you know, great. Just one of those guys that, you know, really is a fan favorite. And when you look back at what he actually did for Juventus, like he never had like a superstar level season. He was just like good, good to very good for a lot of seasons for Juventus. Had like a lot of big time goals. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. He was a big he was a big game goal guy. Yeah, exactly. Like he scored in the Champions League final. Like he either his first or second farewell. I don't remember which one. <laughs> uh the Juventus, you know, YouTube account made like a compilation, like of oh, all of the Alvaro Morata goals. And like you looked at them, and it was like he always scored against the big teams. He always kind of like came up in big time games. Uh, not a lot of highlights against like Genoa and Salernitana, but like a lot of highlights in Champions League against Milan, against Inter, against Napoli, like uh, just just kind of like a big time game, big game player and just like a beloved guy. You know what? I changed my mind. Yeah, I hope Oliver Marta comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Third go around. Who says no? There we go. There you go. All right. Shall we wrap this up with a couple of Twitter questions, gentlemen? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. All right here. Two about basically the same topic. First one from at Amit Champaneri. If we think Pogba will start when fit with Locatelli and Rabio potentially leaves, who should get the final spot in a potential midfield three for the oops, for the big games next season? And from at Craymaster HS. If the midfield is, say, Rabio, SMS, Casadai, or somebody else, are Beans, Loca, Rovella, Moretti, Pogba, and Zakaria slash McKenny enough? I know that second one's a little confusing. Basically, do Juventus need more midfielders is what I'm guessing. They need better midfielders. I don't there think they need more. Yeah. yeah. They have a lot of midfielders. Yeah, like the idea of... And it's funny because the, that that question I mentioned as we were planning that before we hit record the you know the yearly uh, rumors about Sergei Milinkovic Savic are coming around. Yes, and I actually had a discussion about this on a Facebook group the other day. Somebody saying, "Hey, do you hope that you get Milinkovic Savic?" And I said, "I actually hope not." And somebody made a snide comment about why would we want good players? And I said, "Look, Milinkovic Savic is." He's in his prime right now, but he's kind of, I think he's on the back end of his prime. And I don't think Juventus is going to be good enough soon enough to take advantage, to take the fullest advantage of what Milinkovic Savic has left, at which point you've kind of got a wasted move. So I would, I would much prefer to see, you know, a younger midfielder, like say a Davide Fratesi, if we can nip in in front of Inter the way we did for Bremer last year, or just letting our own younger guys keep going and try to, and try to work it out. I would prefer that over a, an SMS move to the first question, assuming that, I mean, that, that it, it's funny, but that, that those, 
one question assumes Rabio's gone, one question assumes Rabio's around. Yes. If it were that Rabio is gone, then Fagioli is the obvious choice. If it's uh, you know, if Rabio is is around, then it, you know, a Pogba. It also depends on how you know what I said at the end of the the season in review. It it depends on how well Nicolo Rovella comes in and whether or not he kind of makes that regista position his own because he's so much more natural at it than than Locatelli is. Although if it's Max, then it'll probably be Locatelli just because he's older. But Ravella is a center back. There we go. Yeah, That's right. So cool. But you know, yeah, I would think that a a Pogba, Rabio, Locatelli slash maybe Rovella midfield would probably be what Max would use in a big game. Yeah, that that that's probably where where he where he'd go. I would be trying to get Fagioli on the field personally, but that's that's me. I think it's going to be very interesting next season in terms of just like the midfield unit in general, because uh, like we alluded, they have a lot of players. They have a lot of with the guys coming back, with Sakaria coming back, with Arthur coming back, uh, with McKinney coming back. Like they're going to have a lot, like a big. Uh, big big number of, of players in that room but you know none of them really with well not not none of them but very few of them that you can really say you know bet bet that they can you know kind of carry the load for this midfield just a lot of a lot of questions a lot of moving pieces in around so the first thing that i would be interested before bringing in an sms or whoever like any new signings is seeing who actually stays and then you know kind of building from there because they're going to have like I said, all the fail low needs back with Sakaria, with Arthur, with McKinney, plus Rabella, who, you know, I agree with with Sam. I, I love to see I love to see him being played at that, you know, natural center midfield position and kind of allow, you know, a, a midfield of Locatelli, of of, you know, uh, Rabio if he stays, if he doesn't with Fagioli, you know, kind of like that midfield to me, on paper at least, uh, makes a lot of sense. But it's it's still kind of like a lot of moving parts. And and the other interesting part to me is that I don't know if Juventus is going to play Conference League. We still don't know that. But if they don't, uh, you're going to be looking at a season in which suddenly that grind that you had this year, in which you were playing pretty much every three days and just having, you know, game after game after game after game, in which depth was so important because of it. You know, if you're suddenly no longer playing in Europe and you only have to play Cup and League, that suddenly means that you don't need a super deep squad because there's just not going to be enough minutes to to you know to give around to everyone. So so that's going to be interesting to me just in terms of squad building, how much depth they're willing to carry if they just play the the domestic competitions because you're just not going to need you know five six seven guys if you're playing you know just your one game a week. So it's it, it's going to be very very interesting but uh i i just i i hope I, I agree with sam i hope they don't well I, I agree in the sense that sms is kind of like in the last few years of his prime he seems like the type of signing that juventus would make i hope they don't not because i, I think he's a bad player but because you already have so many players in that position like you already have so many guys that that you can throw out there that might not you know be as good as SMS, but that can do a good enough job that you don't need to be spending the the little amount of money that you have in kind of reinforcing that position when you still have 
huge holes at fullback when you still have kind of like decent holes at center back even with Bremer and Gatti like those are kind of like your only two guys like that's not a, a super deep position group you know when when you still have like you still have other areas of the team that you need to build around instead of bringing an SMS who might be good but it's another box-to-box midfielder of which you already have a ton in your in your squad so just for that I think you know I, I wouldn't really like that that move and I I advise against it yeah just what Juventus needs more midfielders right more oldish midfielders that's exactly what they need <laughs> although uh just thinking about it as you guys were talking a potential midfielder of Malinkovic Savage and Arthur that's the talls and smalls you know version that is just yeah that would be a funny picture but that's just what would be, fun- what would be even funnier is him and and Beranakea. yes yes all right last question here from at Matthew Emiolik Slightly different one from usual. Have you guys ever discussed what got you into Juventus in the first place? I don't know. Have we? Maybe at the very beginnings of the podcast. But that's I don't three remember. years ago. You're asking a lot to try and remember. Yeah, that. I know. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I wrote about it at one point. Me too. Uh, yeah, but I I don't remember. We I, I think that was one of our lockdown pieces, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the Sounds first like thing it. I thought of when I when I saw this question. So do we want to? Yeah. Do we don't want to do the Cliff Nose version real quick to uh, yeah, appease sure, the not? Twitter question? Yeah, sure. Yes. It's it's not all that interesting, uh, but at the time, uh, at least in 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 Mexico, because we started to get like a lot of um, it, it started to become more common to have like international broadcasts of like European football uh, in you know in in regular households. Uh, when I was young, probably like seven or eight or something, it got like, you know, really popular to have like a, to now have like an European club, like everyone had to have like their European club. And I remember that for a birthday, I asked my parents for like a, a jersey of an European club. And they told me which one and I was like, whichever, like, I don't really care at this point, I just want to be, uh, you know, ride the trends of every single kid that went to my school at that time. And my dad, ever so thrifty, bought me a Juventus kit uh, exclusively because uh, it was cheap and because it came with uh, socks and a short. It was like a full kit sort of thing. And (laughs) every other kid was just like the shirt. And he was like, well, that's a deal. And he bought that one. And that was it. And I kind of gravitated towards it because I was the only kid who had the Juventus jersey. Every other kid had like Real Madrid or Barcelona. A few of them had a Monaco jersey because at the time, Rafa Marquez, which was one of the biggest Mexican players, played for Monaco. So I don't know if those kids kept rooting for Monaco later on. Uh, Can't imagine that would have been very easy to look for streams for Monaco. But still, Mm. uh, that was kind of like the popular ones. And, you know, just me alone had the Juve kit. So that was kind of interesting and exciting and fun and Shortly thereafter, I think they made the Champions League final against Milan, which they lost. But that was kind of like a fun, fun thing for me that they were in the final and they were winning championships and whatnot. So, yeah, that's kind of how I gravitated towards it. And I just, you know, just kept at it. Just kept kept following the club. Which kit was it? Uh, it was one of those uh, Lotto ones. It's, it was still like Lotto branded. And the sponsor in front was Fastweb. 
which I have no idea what it was. Oh, it it yeah. could have been anything at that point. But I, I think I later later learned that it was like a browsing like internet service or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it was that one. It's a cool kit, actually. I've ever since I whenever I don't have anything to do, I'll go into eBay or something and try to look for that kit in in an adult size, uh, but never never really find it. Did it have a number on the back or uh no 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 it was blank. It was blank. blank. Those Loto kits, they were there, they had some bangers. They did. All right, Sam, I will wrap things up with my story. So why don't you go? You go uh, with yours. Okay. So my mine was I, I started getting into into soccer hardcore when I was 16 years old at the 06 World Cup. Obviously, you know, I started following Italy just because as a as an Italian American kid, I I you know I've always watched, you know, I'll always pay attention to the Italians during international sport competitions like that. And and I and I started watching more and more Italy games and I started getting more and more into the into the sport in general and into one human being in particular which was Gianluigi Buffon and I remember and uh, very very specifically I remember it was the uh it was the the semi-final against Germany and I was sitting with my parents in my grandmother's den and we were, were watching the semifinal, and there was that moment where Podolski, like, got sent clear into the left channel, and just and and you remember this was when Podolski was like the next hot shot forward, and he just loaded up on that left foot and hit a rocket, and Gigi just kind of like throws the one fist up and somehow punches it over the bar, and in that moment, I said. Whoever that guy plays for is my team. And that save was ridiculous. That it was it was so incredible. And um listening to the uh the Caressa Bergomi call of that game in general and that save in particular is fun. And obviously you've got Goldie Grosso later on, which when when Grosso did score that goal, my mom, my dad, and I all yelled simultaneously. And my poor grandmother, who was sitting in the living room in the next room, who was at that point was in like middle stage Alzheimer's. So she was kind of present, kind of not. We nearly had a funeral a couple of years earlier than we did. Oh, boy. My poor, my poor grandmother, we scared the living, the living crap out of her. But yeah, that's that that that's where I that's where I landed at Juventus. Yeah, I've I've probably told my origin story uh, as much as anybody, mainly because I, I work it into writing every now and then. And as we said, you know, we did it definitely. Uh, I, I remember writing a piece about it during lockdown. And uh, it, like Sam, had to do with Gianluigi Buffon, but it didn't come from a game. It actually came from a soccer equipment catalog. And for those of you guys who are my age, in the United States, you probably remember the Eurosport catalogs that you would get in the mail, what, every month or two, I think. You know, that's stretching my memory because that's a lot of years ago now. <laughs> but it was 2002, in the fall of 2002, and there is, as a goalkeeper, I immediately go to the goalkeeper equipment, and there's Gigi Buffon in 
one of the lotto lotto kits that Sergio mentioned, you know, the pink one that's got the black sleeves and basically looks like he's got, you know, abs on the outside of his shirt uh, from what they wore uh, in the Champions League final. And he just looked the, the, the personification of cool. I mean, that was Buffon in the early 2000s with slick back hair in his mid-20s looking just, you know, dapper as hell. And, you know, I, I was like, I'm a goalkeeper. I want to try and be like that guy. And so I bought the Puma gloves that Buffon wore. Uh, I grew my hair out my senior year of high school as we continued to win games, selected back because that's what Gigi did. And <laughs> kind of the rest was history. And I mean, I remember, you know, searching for streams my freshman year of college in 2004, 05, trying to find Juventus stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, the next few years were Rohaniretta a thing back then. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I think I read more on the Juventus website, and obviously, the coverage back then wasn't what it is now. So, and then obviously, kind of like Sam, the the '06 World Cup kind of kicked things into overdrive, and um, yeah, you know that that save against Podolski, the save against Zidane in the final, where he again pushes a ridiculous attempt on goal over the crossbar and celebrates like there's no tomorrow. And yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was it for me. And thankfully the guy who ended up being my favorite player right off the bat, after looking in that, that catalog ended up staying what about 20 years more after that. So lucky yeah, me. That, that's the other thing is that he, we, we, we picked him and then he stayed <laughs> He's still playing, by the way. He's 45 years old and unfortunately not going to be playing in, in the top division next season, but he's still playing at 45 years yeah. old. Yeah, and still playing well down in B too. Yes, yeah. So uh, thank you, Matthew, for the Twitter question. That is always a fun one to reminisce about. Uh, and we appreciate the other Twitter questions as well. It's been a few weeks since we've we'd have some Twitter questions. So uh, if you want to send them to us, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there, as well as the Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN on Twitter. You can follow them. You can follow us on other social media platforms, whether it is Facebook or Instagram. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a nice five-star rating and a review. So for Sam, for Sergio, for the traveling around the world trucks, and for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>